Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, churches, you're being seated. Let's praise the King this morning. Let's praise Him together. That's what I love about Sundays is you and I get the opportunity together as His church to praise Him to make much of Jesus together. We're so glad you're here, whether you're visiting with us or maybe you've been a few times or you've been here since the beginning. We are so glad that you are here physically. And for those of us who are joining online, we are so grateful that you are a part today. Uh, Now listen, I've enjoyed the series of messages as we have explored the Old Testament names of God. And as we've done so, we've uncovered names that God has revealed uh, to us of himself. The name Yahweh, for instance, the Lord. We also have found that there have been names that have been ascribed to God, commemorating special events throughout history where God showed up in pretty incredible ways. You know, this past week, uh, it was a struggle for me. Uh, There was, I had to preach one name this morning, but there were two names I really wanted to to work through and and really struggled on which one am I going to preach for this Sunday. Aaron and I and the kids, we we went on a little bit of a camping trip out of town uh, to our second favorite campground. This is our first, of course. We love it here at the Ridge. But we got a little out of town in Townsend uh, to Little Arrow, and we got to spend the week there, which was so much fun. Early on in the week, I was sitting out by the campfire. We put the kids to bed. And I was just sitting out there by the campfire, had my, my Bible and my notes, and just was kind of wrestling between which name of God am I going to preach through this Sunday morning. It's about 11 o'clock at night, and our camper was situated right on the river. Uh, just a great spot, but man, it was super dark. I, I'll never forget, early on in the week, I was sitting by the campfire. Aaron says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and close down our outdoor kitchen area. I'm going to go ahead and lock it up. I said, hey, this, that's cool. I'm going to stay here and just study a little bit more. And, and so it wasn't but three seconds later that out of the darkness, I hear my wife scream my name. And, man, I'm going to tell you, it was blood curdling. So I stood up, and I looked over in church. I, I'm not exaggerating. I look at my wife, and she has thrown her hands up in the air like this in a thriller move, right? And she started stepping away from our outdoor kitchen. And I, I just, I stand, I'm standing at the fire, and I'm just doing this. Like, what am I watching here? <laughs> like, what's happening? And then as she starts moving over, I make eye contact with a black bear who has the exact same face I have. He's just kind of looking at her going, what? See, what had happened is at the very moment she came or she went to go to the outdoor kitchen, a black bear had come up from the river and was heading towards our kitchen as well. And so when I saw him, they were about two feet from each other. And my wife in her panic and fear broke out in a thriller. I loved it. I was just watching. This is great. So I let her do the thriller for a little bit. And then... I started yelling and hollering at the bear to get away, and it was used to humans. It hollered and yelled at me, and I ran away, and it was great. But I have no doubt that right now he's telling his family, hey, listen, I saw this chick at the campsite, and she did the thriller. But anyway, it was, it was a great moment, but even better for my study because it was then I knew that God had ordained that on this Sunday morning that I would preach out of Judges chapter 6, and the name of God that we would explore 
is Yahweh Shalom, that God is peace. Thank you to my precious wife for helping to confirm that in our heart this morning. I love this passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, Judges chapter 6, we find the calling of a peculiar man by the name of Gideon. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So listen, if you've ever read the book of Judges, you're going to find that this was a pretty common occurrence. There was a pattern that took place here, that the people of God would sin against and they would turn their back against God, and then God would allow their enemies to come in and to punish them by oppressing them, and then ultimately they would cry out to the Lord again. He would hear their cries. He would raise up this judge, this national leader, this national hero. And ultimately, that hero, that judge, would be used to God to rescue his people from the oppression that they had brought on themselves. And we see that that played again and again in the book of Judges. But hopefully, the judge would point the people's hearts back to God. Well, we understand this in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, that that was a long seven years for the Israelites, for the people of God, in the hands of the Midianites. And in fact, it seemed as if the entire world was coming after them because not only was it the Midianites who were oppressing them, it was the Amalekites, it was the Ishmaelites, and they even had run-ins with the dreaded Cellulites. That can't, I'm kidding, there's no such thing as Cellulites. That's just the enemy of those of us who love little Debbie a little too much. But anyway, it seemed the whole world was against them. Verse 2 teaches us that because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Hey, verse 2 is a picture of the desperation and the devastation those seven years brought to the Israelites. They were in hiding. They were filled with fear and worry. And guess what? They were filled with hearts that were longing for peace. In fact, verse number six says this, that Midian so impoverished the Israelites that finally they cried out to the Lord, to Yahweh, for help. Well, you say, how were they impoverished by the Midianites? You see, the Midianites would come in And every time there was a time of harvest, every time the food was ready, the Midianites would come in. The Bible describes them as locusts descending, a a swarm of locusts descending upon the Israelites. And they would devour all of their food and take away all of their livestock. Now listen, I don't know if you guys do this, but on Sundays, Aaron and I usually put in a, a grocery order for the Food City. And we put it in there to pick up Monday morning. It would be as if every Monday morning... We paid for our groceries, we go to pick them up, and the same old group of guys rob us every single week of our grocery order. At some point, you can't live. At some point, it's devastating, and that's where we find the Israelites after seven years. They cry out to the Lord. But here's what God does, Yahweh the Lord. He makes it clear through an unnamed prophet He rises up to speak to the people. You ready? Here's his message, paraphrase. When you abandon me, my peace abandons you. Hey, although the Israelites had abandoned God, 
He was not about to abandon them, but his peace was nowhere to be found because they abandoned him. And you know what he desired above all? He desired, Yahweh desired to bring them a peace that was real and that was a lasting peace. Yes, a peace from the pillaging, peace from the panic, peace from the pummeling they were taking by, from the Midianites. But he also desired to give his people not just an external peace from their enemies, but something far greater, an internal and eternal peace that he alone could provide. So he would bring about this peace in a peculiar way through a troubled, restless, cynical, critical, weary soul by the name of Gideon. Hey, can I tell you something about all of us in this room? Every single one of us have a little bit of Gideon in us. Hey, when it comes to our faith, every one of us at times have looked a little bit like Gideon. Look at this in verse 11, Judges chapter 6, 11. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord came down and he sat down underneath the tree. And there was Gideon. And the Bible says this about Gideon, that he was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep from the Midianites. Hey, listen to me. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press unless you're hiding, unless you don't want to be seen. Unless you're so fearful of something or someone that you find yourself not even wanting to pop up on their radar. That is where we find Gideon. He is, he's hiding. And we ask the question, can God really bring peace through this guy? Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, listen to what the angel of the Lord said. The Lord is with you. And he calls Gideon mighty warrior. When I see Gideon, he's mighty worried. But a, a mighty warrior? Maybe, just maybe, God saw something in Gideon that Gideon never saw in himself. Hey, can I remind you of something, church? Something God's really good at is he can see in us something that we can, most of the times, we can't even see in ourselves. And that is the potential we have when God is our strength, when He is our hope, and when He is our peace. But Gideon didn't buy it. Look at verse 13. To this message, he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord or Yahweh is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where all the wonders our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord, did not Yahweh bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Hey, Gideon, you ever found yourself questioning God like that? I have. Here's what Gideon was convinced of. And what he was convinced of allowed him to be confrontational, listen, not only with the messenger of God, but the very message of God. He was convinced of two things. Number one, that God had abandoned his people. And number two, that God had abandoned him. I dare say that in a room like this, that somebody's been through a season in their life where they were convinced that God had abandoned you. Here's the problem in, in Gideon's story. Gideon 
doesn't bring up the fact that he and his people abandoned God for the false gods of the Amorites. I guess literally the devil is in the details here, but all too often God gets the blame, and that's what happens here. In verse 14, the Bible says that the Lord, that Yahweh turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have. You go, wait a second. This guy is threshing wheat in a wine press. He doesn't look much strong. What strength does Gideon have? He has the strength of the promise of verse 12. The very presence of the Lord is with you. And the Lord says to Gideon, hey, go in that strength. Save Israel out of the Midian's hand. And I love this question. Hey, Gideon, am I not sending you? Hey, can I remind you yet again, church, that the God we serve is a God who sends. The God you serve is a God who sends you. Am I not sending you? And in verse 15, pardon me, my Lord. Listen, Gideon is sassy with God. I, I don't understand it. I don't know if y'all have any sassy children in the house. I might have several. And, and here's the deal. I can just imagine by this point, it's as if Gideon is saying to God, uh, excuse me, pardon me, Lord, again. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Again, Gideon, confrontational with God's messenger and with God's message. And this time he's trying to sell the angel of the Lord on why he wasn't the man for the job. His clan Manasseh was the weakest numerically. He was the youngest in his family. And so by cultural standards, everything that you needed to be a mighty warrior in their culture, Gideon did not possess. You know what that meant? That he was exactly who God wanted to use. Because for, for Gideon to be a mighty warrior, for Gideon to be used to God to save his people from the hands of Midian, it was important that people knew it was not by his strength, but by God's strength. So you go, man, Anthony, I'm not the, the strongest believer. I'm the weakest believer. I, I'm not like him. I'm like not, not like her. Get ready. That's exactly who God uses. And we begin to see here in verse 16, I love this. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Can we just stop there for a moment? Isn't that enough? I will be with you. And with that, you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Here it is, Yahweh promises both his presence and power in Gideon's life, which would produce the peace that Gideon so longed for. Hey, can I teach you a little something about yourself and myself this morning? Just like Gideon, all of us crave and all of us long for peace. Man, I really want peace. I want my wife to know peace, our marriage to know peace. I want my kids to have peace. I want them to, their kids to grow up and to, and to know peace. But what we find here with Gideon is that peace is elusive. And you know what? We know that to be true. Listen to what Billy Graham said once. He said, the world doesn't give peace, for it doesn't have any peace to give. It fights for peace. It negotiates for peace. It maneuvers for peace. But there is no ultimate peace 
in the world. Deep down, you know that's true. I know that's true. If you've lived long enough, you've tried the world, you've gone in search in other places for peace, only to every time come up empty-handed because there is no peace to be found in this world. Yet Gideon, on top of this incredible promise of God, through his insecurity, his fear, his distrust, he now demands a sign of the angel of the Lord. He demands a sign. And you know what? The angel of the Lord gives it to him. You see, Gideon goes and he gets a young goat. He gets some broth prepared and some bread made. Puts it out on a stone. And there this angel of the Lord with the staff touches it and fire consumes the entire offering. Listen to Gideon's response in verse 22. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of Yahweh, or the Lord, face to face. You and I are probably like this reading the story. Good. He finally gets it. This is a moment of wonder and worship. Oh, but you're missing it. This is not a moment of wonder and worship. You see, culturally and via the law, anyone who sees Yahweh face to face or his messenger, such an encounter is followed up by death. Gideon says, alas, he's like, oh no. I have seen the messenger of the Lord, and he knew exactly what was going to happen next. So Gideon is literally scared to death. His heart is filled with fear. His mind is panicked. His soul is troubled. And then we come to verse 23. But Yahweh said to him, but the Lord said to him, Shalom. Peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And in verse 24, from the very peace that God speaks over Gideon's life and speaks into the depths of his soul, from that moment, finally Gideon, the cynical, critical, restless soul, humbles himself. He builds an altar to the Lord. And the Bible says, and there he called it Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. You see, God speaks into and over Gideon's life with shalom, with peace. The Lord, Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. But let me ask you this. What does peace mean? What is shalom? What does it really carry with it? Now study a little bit deeper into this word, the meaning of shalom. Reminds us that shalom or peace is more than merely the absence of conflict. Shalom means this. It means completeness. It means making whole that which is broken or missing. It's the reassurance, you ready, church, that everything is going to be okay. Shalom. Gideon. Everything's going to be okay. Hey, believer, shalom. 
hear me. Everything is going to be okay. Why? Because here's what we know of shalom. Here's what we know of the peace of God. That the peace of God is not conditioned on our present circumstances. Did you catch that? The peace of God is not conditioned on your or my present circumstances. Think of it for Gideon. Midian was still a threat. War was imminent. The enemies of Gideon and the Israelites were still numerous. Yet Gideon here in verse 24, he finds a peace even in the midst of his present circumstances, present circumstances that were troubling at best. You see, here's what we begin to uncover about peace. That peace is found alone in God's presence. No matter our present circumstances. Peace exists not in the absence of conflict, but in the presence of Yahweh, in the presence of the Lord. You know, Gideon would go on to wage war from here. He would fight many battles that still need to be fought. He would struggle again with doubt. He would demand signs of God, yet the peace of God was still his to have, to take hold of. God was bringing Gideon peace by his presence. One of the things we love doing when we go camping is we love a river. And we love getting out on those rocks. And all of my kids, but especially my little boy Bennett, uh, he's three years old. And we go by the river. And you know, he loved, you know what he could do all day? He could pick up rocks and throw them in the river all day. It is unbelievable. That's actually how the book of Ecclesiastes came out. Anyway, he could just throw rocks in the river all day. We love throwing rocks in the river. We love walking up the streams of the river and the rapids. We love swimming in it. We love tubing it. We love fishing in the river. My little boy is fearless. Hey, the other day when the bear came out, that bear also went atop a tree, and we got to see it. And every other night, after my wife was nearly killed by a bear by the, by the outdoor uh, uh, kitchen, you know what me and my boy did? He found a stick this big. And he would go and walk with me around that campground, and we were on a bear hunt. Because in his words, you know what he was going to do? I'm going to kill that bear with the stick. Fearless. Fearless. On the last day, we're walking through the river, and uh, he's got his little pedal jumper on. We had just laid in these rapids for about 30 minutes, and it was just, man, we were just having a blast. Well, he looked down. He was standing on top of a rock, and he looked down. And for the first time in his life, he saw tiny little baby fish in the water. Church, it terrified him. Okay? Look, that very same day, we saw two snakes in the river, and we wanted to go kill them. He had been on bear hunts for bears to kill them with a stick. But when he saw those fish and realized that fish lived in the water, he was done with the river. And he stood there. I was a few feet away from him. And he begins to cry. My son, what's wrong? He goes, there's fish. Where do you, we fish out, of course there is. Come on. And he began to break down, he began to cry. And he would not leave that rock in the middle of the river because of small fish. Let me tell you what happens sometimes in life, and maybe you know this to be true. That sometimes what causes us so much fear and panic and worry, in reality, are just small fish. They can't bite you. They won't hurt you. 
but in our fear and our worry and our panic, somehow they get bigger than they are in our mind, and they begin to cripple us. Well, that was my boy. Hey, listen, I begin to talk with him, try to reason with him. Son, you're a kajillion times bigger than those things. They're not going to buy. Nothing I said helped my little boy get off that rock and get over his fear. And so I had to swallow my pride a little bit as a dad. And I walked over to him. And I grabbed his hand. And I said, Bennett, daddy's going to walk with you. I said, look at dad. I'm not afraid of those fish. Walk with me. I grabbed his hand. And you know what? That little boy spent the rest of the day in the river only if he was beside me. And we were holding hands. You know what I got to thinking? That's exactly what God does for Midian here. For Gideon against the Midianites. That's what he does for Gideon. With his promised presence. He says, hey, Gideon, you want peace? Take my hand. Walk with me. And believer, you know what we begin to find in our life? That the presence of God is where the peace of God is found. And it is the invitation for you and I, no matter how small or big the fish of life, for you and I to take hold of his hand. And to find the peace we so long for and crave in His presence. Come to think of it, that's how, the, that's how Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace, works. Think of it, believer. The Holy Trinity of God itself is the trifecta of peace. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews 13, 20 that God the Father is called the God of peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, God the Son is called the Prince of Peace. And in Ephesians 4, 3, God the Spirit is called the Spirit of Peace. In Yahweh Shalom, we have the trifecta of peace. What peace is all about. Well, let's talk about this Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, what does this Prince of Peace have to offer the believer in this conversation of peace? Hey, well, let's, let me give you his name. This Prince of Peace is Jesus. And let me tell you what he's really good at. You ready? Jesus is a dealer in peace. In fact, Jesus is the dealer when it comes to peace for the believer. Listen to Jesus in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid of the little fish. I added that part in at the end. On in two chapters later, in John chapter 16, verse 33, listen to this dealer of peace. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Hey, listen to me, believer. In this world there will be little fish and big fish, and bears, and broken hearts, broken relationships, and broken lives. In this world, you will have trouble. But this dealer in peace says, but take heart. I have overcome this world. You ready? Those little fish don't scare me. 
They don't scare me at all. You see, Jesus is Yahweh Shalom. The Lord our peace, he is Yahweh Shalom in the flesh. Jesus is peace, and he is a dealer in peace. You might be a believer and go, well, Anthony, and that's good on paper. But how do I sleep tonight? With all that's going on, with all that wars within me, with all that wars outside of me, how do I? How do I go to sleep tonight? The psalmist in Psalm 4.8 says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, Yahweh, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. One of my favorite quotes from Charles Spurgeon is that the very sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the believer rests their head at night. But Anthony, what about, what about peace for the heart and the mind that seems so overwhelmed by worry or fear, a heart and a mind that are given to anxiousness? Well, hey, Paul wrote about the peace that Jesus deals in Philippians 4, starting in verse 4 and 6 and 7. He writes this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he goes on and says this, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends or passes all understanding, watch this word, will guard. That picture is that of a soldier standing in front of something who will willingly give his life to protect it. The peace of God will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hear me, church. Jesus has peace for every problem of this life. But here's the catch. And this is what Gideon and the people of God had to understand. To have the peace of God, you must have peace with God. To have the peace of God, you must have peace with God. You say, how do you have peace with God? Well, Paul would write in Romans 5, 1, this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, church, Jesus is a peace dealer. Is he your peace dealer today? Jesus is Yahweh Shalom, the Lord of peace, clothed in flesh. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. And peace is found alone in his presence. I heard an author say it this way. Peace with God settles our nerves, fills our mind, floods our spirit, and in the midst of the uproar around us, gives us assurance that everything is all right. Do you have the peace of God? Because you have peace with God. God. Now, for some of you, you're going, Anthony, listen, I hear you. But you don't know what I go through. You hear me. Yes, I do. I know the worry and the anxiety and the fear that wrestles for my attention. But let me tell you what I know is even greater. It's when I take hold of his hand. 
I walk by his side. And I allow him to deal the peace that only he can give through his presence. Do you have the peace of God? Because you have peace with God through Christ. I read the story of a missionary by the name of Don Richardson. He served for years among the primitive tribes of Papua New Guinea. And it was there that he worked and he labored to translate the gospel, the word of God, into their language, into their culture. But he found it to be challenging. In fact, almost an impossible task. They just couldn't understand. They just couldn't grasp the gospel Jesus' death on the cross and rising from the grave, they just couldn't take hold of it. That was until one day, Don goes to write in a book that two tribes, after years and generations of war and struggle, each tribe killing and maiming each other for generations, until one day, the two chiefs, of each of the tribes came together. And what they did, and Don, this missionary, got to witness this, was each of the chiefs took their son. They gave it to the other chief in the other tribe to adopt their son and to make their son their own. In a ceremony where the children were dubbed, where the boy was dubbed the peace child, They came to an agreement that as long as the child lives, there will be peace for our people so that our people too will live. When this missionary witnessed this peace child, finally he had found the perfect picture of God's love for us in sending his son. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the peace child, if you would, to stop the war that destroys so many. The war against sin and selfishness. God sent His peace child, His Son, to give through Him what this world cannot offer. Go ahead and search the world. Try the world. There is no peace to be found except for in the presence of the Lord. The peace of God is found when you and I, through Christ, have peace with God. Let me ask you, do you have peace with God today? Has Jesus ever saved you? Have you ever entrusted your heart and your life to Him? If not, through Him today, find peace with God. Maybe you're a believer here. And I talked to many believers after the last service. And here's what they said. This message is for me today. Where is it in your life that peace seems to be missing, that you seem to be broken, that you need to, in this moment, to pray peace over a part of your life, to call out 
to the peace dealer, Jesus, and ask him to make whole that which is broken or missing, to bring a peace through his presence. Hey, where is it in your life that you just need to reach out and take his hand and walk with him today? Because you know what? He isn't scared of the little fish. And in Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.